G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You can tell a lot about a person by the company they keep. So that begs the question then, what company did Jesus keep and what does it tell us about him? Hi, I'm Bertie Diamond. Thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today, as we head towards Easter, in just a few weeks' time, we're kicking off a new series of messages called Who is Jesus? Because the more we can get to know him, the closer we can draw to him. So let's head into God's word. And look, please stay tuned because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you how you can request your free copy of our latest life application booklet. It too is called Who is Jesus? It's all about helping you draw ever closer to your Lord and Saviour. Well, it's great to be with you again at the beginning of a new series, and, and I really hope you've had a, a good week. It's amazing how the year's already slipping by, and here we are. Well, we're heading towards Easter, can you believe it? And it feels as though we only just had Christmas. I was thinking about the whole Easter thing and how to approach it this year, and I was wondering whether, together, we couldn't start early this year. I mean, the Easter bunnies and the, and the whole chocolate eggs thing aside, it seems to me that the central question of Easter is, who is Jesus? Exactly who is he? What's he like? If he were to walk into my life or into your life right now, what would he be like? What would it be like to be around him? It's so easy to take someone who lived, well, 2,000 years ago and turn him into a kind of a, a stained glass window. But if he's going to be relevant, if he's going to make a difference, well, what's he like? So that's why we're beginning a new series this week called Who is Jesus? And over these next four weeks as we head towards Easter, we're simply going to take a look at some snapshots, almost like going to a a photograph album and looking at pictures of Jesus. But instead of going to a photo album, we're going to go to the Bible, God's Word. So if you have it, grab it and open it up. We're going to begin at Matthew chapter 4 and look at the first snapshot of Jesus. Where I live, just a few minutes' drive from my home, is a wonderful fish market. And early in the morning when you go down there, it's pretty quiet. Later it gets a bit of a bustle, and there's a huge array of of fish and oysters and mussels and shellfish. You wonder where it all comes from. And at Christmas time, there are so many prawns or, or shrimps, if you like, by the truckload. It's a fantastic place. It's a place of of commerce and food and flavour. And you can have a seafood meal down there. And it all started on a boat out on the water there. And when I walk into the fish market where I live, there's a man just on the left-hand side shelling oysters. He's an older man. I'm pretty sure he's Greek. He's got big hairy arms and he wears these big thick rubber gloves. And there are piles and piles of unshelled oysters. 
Now, I love fish and I love the bustle of the fish market and the people and the characters and the feel and, and the buzz. I really enjoy that. But here's a question. If you were or I were God, if you or I were Jesus, and we were thinking, well, I want to start a church, something that's not going to be perfect, but I want it to be strong, I want it to last for a few thousand years, and I need some people. Is that where we'd start? Is that where we'd go? Well, Jesus, Jesus was a carpenter, and he began his public ministry sometime in his late 20s or early 30s, perhaps, and it lasted for around three and a half years. And he wasn't one of the recognized religious leaders. He wasn't wealthy. He wasn't a king. He was a carpenter, and he's walking down by the Sea of Galilee one day, and he picks some fishermen to be his followers. Let's read it. If you've got your Bible, open it up. We're going to Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, because they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their dad, Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed Jesus. See, as we begin to look at who this Jesus is, today we're going to look at some of the people that he spent his time with. You can can actually tell a lot about someone by the people they choose to hang around. And, And here is Jesus, the Son of God. And, and he comes from Galilee. Now, Galilee wasn't exactly the nicest part of Israel. I mean, the religious and political centre was Jerusalem, up in Judah. But he was up in the north, and there he was in Galilee, the slums and the pits. And he's a carpenter. He made I don't know, chairs and coffins and, and houses, I guess. And when the time comes to begin his public ministry, he goes down to the fish market down to the the Sea of Galilee. It's almost like me going down to my fish market and seeing the Greek guy there with the hairy arms shelling shelling the oysters. Jesus goes down to the fish market. This carpenter who made chairs and coffins, and he calls simple fishermen. Now see, the rabbis in Israel, the teachers, they... They were the elite. And actually, if you wanted to be one of their students and one of their followers, you had to go to them and apply and ask, and you had to be good enough. But here, Jesus goes out. Instead of people coming to him, Jesus goes out and chooses people and calls people. Not theologians. He, he didn't go to the most prestigious Bible school in Jerusalem and pick the top graduates. He goes to the fish market. Not elite businessmen, just uneducated fishermen. Rough, tough, hard life. They're into boats and nets and, and stench and fish and... And it was a morning like any other. And Jesus Jesus was out there walking by the Sea of Galilee. And he knows deep in his heart that he's the Son of God. And he's come for a purpose. These last 30 years of, of growing and waiting and learning, of walking in sandals and crunching in the gravel, he felt this calling, this beating in his heart. And he looks out and he goes there to the Sea of Galilee with a tear in his eye, with excitement and trepidation. The time has come for the carpenter to go down to the fish market. 
Now, in an earthly sense, the odds are stacked against him. And he calls four rough, uneducated bumpkins. Simon Peter, Andrew, James and John. Pete, Andy, Jim and Jono. Now, that, that does something for you and me. As we look at who Jesus is, and we look at him from our here and now, we can look at him and say, you know, he's not a stained glass window. He's not a, a religion. He's real. He's alive. He's, he's relevant here and now. He goes to the fish market to find people following him. Does Jesus still have a, a purpose today? Does Jesus still want to find fishers of people today? Instead of the Sea of Galilee... He's going to go to the local fish market or, or the hairdressing salon or the office building or the shopping centre or the factory with that same, that same dream burning in his heart, looking for a Pete or an Andy or a Jim or a Jono or a Sue or a Melissa or a Jenny or a Helen to come and follow him. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. To celebrate Easter this year, I've written a new life application booklet called Who is Jesus? to help you draw ever closer to your Lord and your Saviour. You see, my passion is seeing you live in a rich, powerful, dynamic relationship with Him. That's why I'd love to send you your very own free copy of this latest booklet, It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you draw even closer to Jesus. And at the end of each chapter, you'll find some life application questions to help you kind of think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. So to request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, lonely fishermen weren't the only people that Jesus hung out with. He managed to go much lower than that. He managed to touch a leper, something that would have disgusted most people back in the day. Well, let's have a look at another story. I remember when I was growing up, I was kind of looking at this whole church and religion thing, and it all seemed so weird to me. I mean, men in funny gowns and bishops with funny hats and incense every now and then and songs that didn't make sense to me and sermons that bored me. People in pews who didn't seem to be enjoying the experience, or their own lives for that matter. Does that sound vaguely familiar? And I remember thinking, if I were ever to sign up to something like that, it would have to be real. It has to make my heart sing. It has to rock me to the core. It has to be real. I'm a baby boomer. We don't much like authority and institutions and stained glass windows and rituals and shams. We want to experience reality. And now so many in my generation are still pulling on their Levi's, hoping to find that reality. But you know what I mean? Don't give me some trite, ritualistic religiosity that doesn't make a difference. I want something that works. I was talking to a man recently in his 40s. He married young. Many of us baby boomers did. Uh, He was divorced and remarried, and his wife fell pregnant, and, and, uh, and they lost the baby. They've been going to church on and off, It was a hangover from their upbringing. But it didn't really work for them. 
Who knows why we do the things we do? But they went anyway. So they went to see their minister after the last baby, and they were gutted. The response? The response from the minister? This is God's punishment for, for divorce and remarriage. You and your wife should now live together as brother and sister. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't work for me. One of three options. The first option is that's what Jesus would have said, lump it or leave it. The second option is that church doesn't much care about Jesus. It's about religion and rules, not about Jesus. Or third, Jesus. Jesus would have had a different angle. These people were treated by the church like lepers. Let's go and visit some lepers in the first century in Israel. Back then, leprosy had no cure. The lepers were ostracized. They were thought to be highly infectious. So lepers were were religious and social outcasts. They lived in shanty towns, often outside the city walls, so they lived outside the protection of the community. They were kind of like non-people. They were incurable, infectious, and from a religious perspective, they were unclean. When they came into the city, they had to maintain a distance of so many paces between themselves and anyone who wasn't a leper. And if someone who wasn't a leper came close, they had to shout out, unclean, unclean. If they wanted to worship in the synagogue, they had to arrive much earlier than everyone else and sit out back in a room on their own, and they had to leave after everyone else had left. They really couldn't participate in the life of their synagogue or their community. So these lepers were just outcasts. And a leper, a leper comes to Jesus and he's desperate. And you can read this in Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 40. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Here is this leper who is segregated through the Old Testament law. He's emotionally and spiritually and physically sick. What will Jesus do? This person's a leper. This person is unclean. To the religious institution, we we shouldn't go anywhere near him. A bit like my friend who'd lost the baby after divorce and remarriage. This religious institution said, you're unclean. So what will Jesus do? This is what it says. Jesus moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched the leper. And he said, I am willing. Be made clean. And the leper was healed. See, because of his circumstances, religious law made him an outcast. And yet, Jesus comes along and reaches out with compassion in his heart and touches the leper. It was against the law for him to touch the leper. Touching the leper made him unclean. Touching the leper exposed him potentially to the disease. And then Jesus says, look, don't tell anyone. Just just go and tell the religious leaders. Yeah, right. This guy told the whole world. He was over the moon. The crowds flocked to see Jesus, who had cleansed this leper. So much so, he couldn't enter the towns and cities. He had to teach out on the, the hilltops and in the fields. Wow, that's a surprise. It's called grace. People are attracted to grace. It's something, by and large, you don't find in religion. But then, Jesus isn't a religion. My hunch is that religion is something that people invent. No, no, Jesus Jesus is the Son of God. 
And it says, when the leper came to him, he was moved with compassion and he stretched out his hand and touched the leper and said, I am willing. What does that tell you about God? I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional, a powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, and you'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of our homepage. Or if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Well, as though hanging out with fishermen and touching lepers weren't enough for him, Jesus also one evening decided to go and have dinner with a bunch of men who were despised by any respectable God-fearing Jew. Let's check it out. Well, today on the program, we're looking just at, at different stories, different pictures, almost like going through a photo album looking at Jesus, maybe even going through Jesus' own Facebook page or YouTube page or MySpace page, just having a look at him. It's great to be doing that because we're, we're starting a series today called Who is Jesus? And we're just answering that by looking at these just these little vignettes, these little stories of who Jesus is. One of the things I really hate doing each year is my tax return. It's not that I begrudge the government its taxes, and most times I get a refund from the tax man. It's just that, well, it's the effort of working through my affairs. I don't know. It's just not something that I really enjoy doing. Now, we live in a system in this 21st century which, by and large, you know, it's a fair tax system. We may argue that we pay too much tax or that the balance across society isn't quite equitable, but at least it's applied even-handedly and consistently. So as much as tax may or may not be your favourite part of life, we live with it. But how would you feel if the people collecting the tax were dishonest? I mean, if they were able to just increase tax and we had no recourse, if they took bribes to reduce our tax or if they applied one standard to you and another to me, my hunch is we wouldn't be very happy with that sort of a system at all. Well, let's go back and have a look at a tax collector in the first century. So in the first century in Israel, the Romans occupied Israel. They occupied most of the known world. They were the dominant world power. And Israel, these chosen people of God, were, I guess, slaves and captives to the Roman Empire, to Caesar. And, and they had a brutal army and they ruled with an iron fist. And so the Jews had to put up with the excesses and the armies of the Roman Empire. The Jews, of course, well, they weren't exactly enamoured with this. They didn't really enjoy this. And the Romans 
appointed Jewish tax collectors. They were almost like like franchise operators. They owned the local McDonald's franchise or they owned the local Gloria Jean's coffee franchise. But unlike those franchisees, they, they were dishonest. And they would sit at toll gates, and as people passed through with their trade, they would collect tax on whatever was being shipped through. But by and large, these Jewish tax collectors who were appointed by the Roman occupying force were a corrupt bunch. They were betraying their own people. See, firstly, they were enforcing Roman rule and taking money from the Jews, from God's chosen people, and giving it to the Roman Empire. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, they were lining their own pockets. You see, they would put commission on top of the tax. And often they were very corrupt and, and they would put very high commissions on top of the tax. So you got the picture? These people, as far as God's chosen people, the, the Israelites were concerned, these Jewish tax collectors were the scum of the earth. Jesus, on the other hand, Jesus is wandering around healing people. And he's like a rock star. He's like, like Bono or, or any of the stars that you'd like to think. You see, because he's healing lepers and blind people and, and he's preaching with power and authority, not like the religious leaders, he's up there and, and crowds are flocking to him, thousands of people. Remember, their cities weren't big like our cities are. And so when five or 10,000 people turned up, there was a substantial proportion of the population. Jesus, this rabbi, this teacher, calls some fishermen to be his disciples. But then, then he does something that no one would have predicted or imagined in their wildest dreams. He calls a tax collector, a man by the name of Levi. Come with me in the Bible to Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew, or Levi, sitting at the tax booth, And he said to him, follow me. And the guy got up and followed him. And as he sat at the dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the religious leaders, the Pharisees, saw this, they said to Jesus' disciples, why is it that your teacher eats with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Yeah. So here's Jesus coming into a town. He's walking along. He's being followed by crowds. And he sees this tax collector in his tax booth. And he says to this guy, come and follow me. And then he goes and has dinner at Levi's house with lots of other tax collectors, lots of other scums of the earth. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is the guy that healed all those people. This is the the man whom God sent, God's own Son, to die on a cross for you and me and rise again. Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors. Not the good, not the righteous, not the religious leaders. The tax collectors. And so the religious leaders started a smear campaign. They, they, they called him a glutton, a drunkard, and, and ultimately they crucified him because of what he did. How does Jesus respond to what, what they say to these religious leaders? He says, I, I haven't come for all those who have got it right. I've come for people just like this. See, these religious leaders would demonise the tax collectors. 
and perpetuate this, this stereotype of this scum of the earth tax collector. Those who are well don't need a doctor, said Jesus, but those who are sick, well, they do. I've come exactly for these people. See, religion's about throwing stones. Religion's about criticising. Jesus was about building bridges and touching lives and... Oh, wow. He never watered down what was wrong. He didn't say it was okay. He dealt with those things directly and honestly when he had to. But he reached out to them. He touched them. I want to cry sometimes when church throws rocks at people. Is that what Jesus is like? Is, is that what Jesus did to these tax collectors? It wasn't like that. It wasn't about issues and dogma and doctrine. It was about people and lives. I love that about Jesus. That's who Jesus is. As he was walking along, he saw Matthew, the tax collector, in his tax booth and said, follow me. And then he went and sat down and had dinner with all the tax collectors. Who is this Jesus? Is he some religious icon? Is he some stained glass window? Is he some rule book? Or is he the son of God? who would sit down with the lowliest of lowlies, with the scum of the earth, with the tax collectors, with the prostitutes, and just be their God, who is Jesus. That's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live in a rich, powerful and dynamic relationship with Jesus. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. And indeed, each dollar that you give towards the Ministry of Christianity Work today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I mentioned earlier. It's called Who is Jesus? Again, it's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your generous support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.